Welcome to Circus Voices, brought to you by CircusTalk.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Lee Iverson from In Center Ring. Circus Talk is the leading online career and casting marketplace for circus and performing arts, and an essential resource for circus and multidisciplinary artists and talent seekers. Circus Talk offers job listings, career development content, and a talent database that talent seekers use for hiring. Our podcast features engagement conversations with international experts, including professional artists and talent seekers, creative leaders, influential coaches and teachers, and industry innovators. These interviews offer you insight into the diverse and dynamic world of circus and performing arts. In this fourth and final episode of Circus Voices Presents... Circus Reimagined, we welcome Kenneth Feld, Chairman and CEO at Feld Entertainment. This legendary impresario has steered the reins of live family entertainment for over half a century, facilitating the thrills and wonders children of all ages have come to cherish with such properties as the iconic Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, the greatest show on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages and all else in between, we are honored to welcome the one and only Kenneth Feld. How you doing, boss? Jonathan, thanks for having me. This is great for us to get together and just have a little bit of a chat, but uh, I miss you. Well, you know, I miss you too, a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's family, uh, you know, I always called the circus kind of the sawdust mafia. You know, it never gets out of your blood. Um, I, I just, it's thrilling, you know, because I think you made mention to me some time ago, you, you said, you know, I've known you for half your life. And I went, yeah, you have. <laughs> so I've spent over half my life with Feld Entertainment, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey ensconced in the wonderful world of the circus, which I am absolutely happy about. And that's what we're going to talk about today is, you know, changes and reimagining circus. And a wise man once told me, Jonathan, change is the only constant. And that was you. So, <laughs> you know, we have this series circus reimagined and I couldn't think of anybody else really who could really give some authenticity to it than yourself. You've literally been in the eye of the storm for quite a long time, several decades. Um, and I just thought of this this morning before I got on with you. I said, wait a minute. You were there when the Ringling Brothers made it uh, made a transition from the big top tent into the arenas. You were there with your, with your legendary dad when that was that major transition. And, you know, how people get with changes. They get a little funny. They get a little nervous. They become very critical. I'm curious to know what the reaction was then um, at the time of that remarkable change. It was an interesting time. So I've been working basically full time since 1970 uh, with The Greatest Show on Earth. And it has constantly changed. And I think the biggest change initially after my father acquired it in 1967 was in 1969 when he created 
the second unit of the greatest show on earth. <clears throat> and at the time, it was there were skeptics every place. And they said, how could you have two greatest shows on earth? Mm -hmm. And actually, what he did is um, the one show was in New York, and the other show, I think, was in Nashville, Tennessee. And he flew the media from New York after they saw one performance of, which was the Blue Unit, to Nashville, where they saw one performance of the Red Unit in 1969. And some people liked the Blue Unit better, some the Red Unit. And then he knew he had two of the greatest show on earth. And <laughs> that was the genesis. And that was from a blank sheet of paper to do it. And it's interesting, fast forward to 2022 now, but 2023, when we will again uh, reopen uh, the greatest show on earth, Ringling, and we had a blank piece of paper. And so really, since we closed in 2017, and we were originally planning to come back 2021, and unfortunately, COVID not only got in the way of everything else that was happening in the world, it got in the way of us being able to begin uh, the, the new version of Ringling uh, at that time. So we moved it to 2023. Uh, so it did give us a little more time to plan and to think about things. And we've come up with what I think is going to be one of the most exciting productions that there's ever been any place. It's just always good to have this great American icon around. And, you know, that brings me to my next question, because obviously people go, well, why did you close in the first place? You know, why did we close? What, what do you what? led to this decision to say, you know what, we need to shut things down in 2017. The decision really was that we had a business model that was in, in a lot of ways 146 years old. And if you look at any company today that's been around for a while, if they're operating the same way they were 100 years ago, they're probably not really in business if they haven't changed. And we needed to change. And some of the big changes were things that were environmental. And I don't mean like trees and things like that, but just the cost of transportation, the change in how the railroad was working and our ability to be able to go from city A to city B know that we're going to get there on time and then be able to open in the venues. Another thing that, that happened was the venues, if you couldn't load your show in in one day, you couldn't play there, you couldn't get the dates because there's only 365 days a year and all of these venues across America, they need content. Uh, and whether it's sports, whether it's music, all kinds of entertainment, conferences, they need that. And so, again, it becomes a premium to think about how, to, how can you be more efficient? Uh, how can you give the public everything that they want, but streamline the back of it? So basically, we we couldn't do that really while we were open and running and 
So we needed to, to close, take a break, give people time uh, to think about what Ringling is, what it means, and for us to go and say, this is Ringling for 2023, not for 2012. And, and that's what we've done. And um, because a lot has changed. And, you know, I've, I've seen generationally things. And now there will be a whole new generation of children, a new generation of parents, and actually a new generation of grandparents that will be able to see Ringling in ways that they never could imagine. And speaking of that, the changes, and I want to, you know, clarify this as quickly as we can, because you know how it is in the circus sphere, the rumors, people, you know, <laughs> you know how we go. We, we just, t- we do a lot of talking. So from our understanding, we know that there won't be any animals in this iteration of uh, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey. Um, is it also true that we're not really going to have any clowning? There, it is true that there will not be any live animals in the show. That's for sure. <clears throat> there will be humor. There will be comedy. There will be all the pillars that I think everyone will recognize that su- supported this institution for 150-some years. Uh, and that's the key. So is it a clown? It may not look like the clown you remember, but is there comedy Will they laugh? That's the key. And, you know, like you, you have kids now, older kids, but uh, what they laugh at, what they think is funny today is quite different than when you started with Ringling. So everything changes. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we've seen that happen, the way we think about it. And Always for me, the most interesting thing about the circus was the people. And, you know, when I started, before I even worked full time, I was searching all over the world looking for talent. And I found the people to be engaging. But more importantly, they have stories and they have skills that you would never think they had. And that's been what's been fascinating to me. And we were thinking, how can we share that with the public, with the audience, and to really define the individuals that make up what will be the greatest show on earth? And I think that's the message, and that's what people will get. They'll see an inside, a backstage look in some ways, but the the key for us is, for everybody to get emotionally connected to every performer. It's not gonna happen with every performer because people gravitate to different things. But we want everybody in the audience to have a rooting experience and to have that connection with these performers. So it sounds like we're talking about an even more immersive experience uh, with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and really. So there's more of a synergy between audience and performers um analogous in some way to i think kind of what we saw in our last show together uh out of this world where the company really wanted the the audience to engage through their devices and things of that nature 
are we going to see those elements implemented into this new uh, reimagining of Ringling Brothers? There will be a lot of audience engagement. There's no question about that. What the method or the methodology is now, I don't know, or I'm not willing to share it with you, but um, it'll be ways that are natural fits. Um, so there'll be logic. And we've been experimenting actually in a lot of our other businesses for years now. And uh, we found out what works, what doesn't work quite as well. And there's also a lot of new technology out there that um, can add uh, a depth uh, to the show and to the experience uh, that's very important. The other thing is this, <clears throat> we've had the time to plan and we're planning to come out with Ringling, but how can we make a part of your everyday life? And because always the big issue is you come once a year and it's great, but then what happens the other 365 days after that uh, until you come back? So we want to create something that can build a connection day in and day out. Uh, and I think the great thing is the circus has all of those qualities because we don't think about it, but we're doing things that you might find in the circus every single day. And it doesn't matter if kids are on a playground, uh, you know, if they're on a seesaw, maybe that could relate to teeterboard in some, world, some ways. But so it's, it's a natural connection. It's not contrived. And I think that's the beauty of what Ringling is and the place that it can hold in the fans' uh, hearts and minds. Well, being the devil's advocate, I, I have to wonder, you know, um, you mentioned the kids of today. And how do you take this legendary entity, which is Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, truly the greatest show on earth, this live entertainment behemoth that is a part of American lore, where you have to be there, you have to be engaged to really experience it. But now you are competing against those phones, those doggone phones and iPads and they can get Insta entertainment. How does Ringling Brothers engage that audience? As you said, you want to be in their lives 365 days of the year. So how do we engage that audience? Well, I, I think one thing that all of us learned, uh, COVID was devastating, but in some ways we had a lot of time to think at least I know I did and we did as a company because we weren't operating. And the one thing that I knew, and since we've reopened, uh, we were proven correct, is that there is no substitute for live entertainment. And I don't care how many Zoom calls you're on, how many Teams meetings, anything, that live, real social interaction is what is the most important thing. We are social people. We are social species. We want to be with other people. One of the great things about going to Ringling is when you're sitting there and you have maybe three generations, everyone 
has a different favor. So what have we done? At the end of the show, and you're leaving, and you're in a car ride home, we've created a conversation. And in today's world, because of what you're saying with the technology and the phones and everything else, conversation is at a premium, and especially with your family. So we are a catalyst for creating uh, that phenomenon, which it wasn't 100 years ago because there was no technology like there is today. And so that's an important part. But I think more than that is people will understand when they, after they see our show that the people that make it happen are people like they are. They're, the circus is reflective of the universe. It's always been that way. These are really normal people doing extraordinary things. And why? Because of the basics of what we want in our character. Hard work, practice, determination. And they're doing it for someone else. I think the circus is the most giving uh, entity goes beyond entertainment because everybody is there doing it because they want to entertain their audience. Think about it. They perfect eight minutes, let's say, of a high wire act where they're risking their life. And it isn't for the money they get. It's for the appreciation that they receive from the audience. They're, they're amazing someone. They are creating that conversation. They're saying, how can you do this? But all of us can do with the right training, the right discipline. So that's really how it can become a 365-day feeling. It's an emotion. Ringling should be an emotion. It's also a show, but it can be other things. I appreciate that. In, in really touching on what you were saying about um, I got out of that, the, the communal aspect of circus, which has always been really, I think, a part of its magic, that you're able to bring together all of these different types of people with different types of specialty skills, and they're able to live with each other and create joy to service to other people not like themselves. It's not lost on anybody how, unfortunately, everything seems so polarized in this day and age. Everything is so highly political. And I mean, I have my own theory. I, I really think the reason why I'm so excited about Ringling Brothers coming back is I really honestly think it is an antidote. Obviously, it's not the antidote, but I think it, it's a model for human relations. It's a model for how we can actually move along and get along and, and actually work to create something that is a wonderful society. And I wonder if you've ever thought of like the importance of having an entity like Ringling Brothers that displays all of these traits of community and not necessarily everybody's holding hands singing we are the world um <laughs> you know we you know we had our ups and downs yeah. what have you but there's something about that focus 
in the ring that something about bringing all these different types of people together to create something special how necessary how necessary do you think ringling brothers is socially for the social good of the united states look we wouldn't have closed it we closed it with a heavy heart but we knew if it was going to continue and grow and and really blossom into something special that we had to take the time to think about it and if you think about it ringling and everyone on ringling is a family i mean you live there many many years it's a family entertaining other families so what do we do we bring people together the point of it is bringing them together will everyone like everything absolutely not will everyone like something absolutely so we're creating that conversation that i talked about that interaction and there's there's no politics we would never go near politics all we want to do is bring people together for simple fun basic i i want to get into something that's always dazzled me about you personally and that is, I always tell people, I said, if you ever want to see a sparkle in Mr. Fell's eyes, ask him about the one and only Irvin Fell. What was it like for you to have such a unique education where I believe you, you are an alumnus of Boston University, correct? That's true. And yep. so you have this wonderful Ivy League education, but you know, you also have this I probably more in-depth education at the foot of the master of, who just happens to be your dad. You know, one of the great impresarios of all time. What was that like? What kind of advantage, you know, was that for you to have two dynamic educations to build you into the impresario you are today? Well, first of all, thank you. But, you know, my dad, his whole life, his, he was brilliant in every possible way. But his brilliance came from he was probably the greatest teacher anyone ever had. And I think anyone that spent time with him, they walked away with specific things that they learned from him. And my whole life was like that. And part of it was, you know, at five years old, at seven years old, he treated me like an adult. He would ask my opinion, and I believe that, you know, he took that into consideration whether he did or not. That wasn't important, but he made me feel like, wow, you know, he's listening and he cares. And he was just, he was somebody that had a passion. And he, he had a passion for everything that he did. He loved the circus more than anything. But he loved the music business more than anything when he was in that. When that evolved out, it became the circus. It was always the circus, first and foremost. And um, I, so I learned that. And look, he was a great human being, and he loved everybody. He loved everybody on the circus. And his, he would go out literally every single weekend 
And uh, he would go backstage. He would sit there and smoke a cigar at the, <laughs> the time. And people would just come in the office. They could talk about family issues. He would give them advice on that. They could talk about what they wanted to do next year in the future. He would. So he was uh, extraordinary in making people feel really good about being around him. Well, it's it's really wonderful um, listening to that because obviously you've done pretty good yourself, and um, you've done such wonderful work with the company Feld Entertainment. You've expanded it in ways probably he never even dreamed of, and now you have these tremendous ladies um, that you've produced literally and figuratively: um, Nicole, Alana, and Juliet. I'm a fan of all three of them. And I've had the privilege of working with at least two as my boss uh, when I was with the show. What is it like for you um, to see them make that transition to basically taking the mantle of the great Feld Entertainment Bay? Well, it's it's amazing for me to to look at them, and it's gratifying to see how they've grown up, they've developed into extraordinary uh, people, but uh, also family people because I now have seven grandchildren. So um, I realize how difficult it is uh, to be a mom and a working mom more than ever when I see them and what they do and how they have to spend their time and uh, they're passionate again, about everything that they do. So for me, you know, that's what life is all about. And it's generation to generation. And the one thing I know is the three of them, they're all a lot smarter than I am. Uh, the only thing I've got on them is a lot more years. And that's sort of the cycle of time and, and of life. And I think it's great to see them that they have the passion, the interest uh, in the company and, and what it represents. And it goes back to what we do is good for humanity. We're entertaining people in ways that th there's no uh, kind of disruption. Uh, there, there's no agenda other than having a good time. And, uh, that's what everything that we do in our company, it really stands for that. It's just a different offshoot. And it could be Ringling. It could be Disney on Ice. It could be Monster Jam. It could be Supercross. What are we doing? We're entertaining people and families. And we now have uh, it's a much broader audience than we ever had and uh, uh, more diversified. And that's what we're about. And we'll continue to grow and do all these things that we think people want to see. And it's all about the customer. It's, it's never really been about us. It's about how can we please the audience? And that's what we live for. Looking at how the circus has grown and you, you've seen uh, different entrepreneurs pop up. One of your former ringmasters, my friend and yours, wonderful Kevin Venardos has his show. I actually worked for Kevin a couple of times. And you know, I'm looking at the landscape. There's so many new shows popping up, so many different expressions of circus. If I'm to ask you who, I mean, you're seen as a legend. You're seen as the guy. 
in my mind at least um how would you finish this sentence the circus the future of the circus is what is very healthy and i'm happy to see all of the different styles of circus and whether they're called circus or something else in many ways they're circus uh the growth the interest it helps everyone and I love these local circus schools, uh, and I do live in Sarasota, so sort of the heart of, of that. But it's great because we're teaching kids at a young age how important it is, how much fun it can be. Let's participate. It's great for fitness, and it's, there's some place for everybody. So the circus is the most inclusive entertainment on the planet. That's what we need today. So I'm happy the more success that people have with the circus, the better it is for all of us. Wonderful. Well, I'm, again, I'm honored that you stopped by to hang out with me in my little show here. And I, I brought a gift because, you know, you are definitely um, uh, worthy of me wearing this hat. So ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages and everyone in between, he is the one, the only, Kenneth Feld. You know, I always wanted to do that. Well, you do it so well. Thank you very much. Thank you to Kenneth Feld for joining us here on Circus Voices Podcast. We would also like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in for our four-part episodic series, Circus Reimagine. This special edition of Circus Voices presents Circus Reimagined is a co-production between Circus Talk and Incentering. Join Circus Talk Pro today. If you do not already have a Circus Talk profile, I invite you to create one and to upgrade to Pro. If you are a talent, take advantage of the newest profile fields that make you stand out in talent searches. And if you are a talent seeker, do not miss out on accessing over 30,000 talent profiles from 193 countries. We have a special offer for Circus Voices listeners. Receive 15% off your annual membership by using the code CIRCUSVOICES2022. Our podcast design was created by Emily Holt and music was composed by Book Kinnison. You can follow the Circus Voices podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. 